Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 13. You can turn anywhere you like, but we're going to be talking about Acts 13 today. Acts chapter 13. The title of the message is The Challenge of Changing the Heart. The Challenge of Changing the Heart. Acts chapter 13. Today we will look at verses 1 through 12 and um, really focus in on verses 4 through 12. But if you're just joining us again, welcome. Glad you're here today. My name is Brian, the pastor, and uh, we think you found the best church in all of the Pittsburgh area to worship. And uh, we're glad you're here. Hope you stay for food and fellowship after service and just a great time to fellowship with one another, get a, a meal together. And um, we are working our way through the New Testament and we're in Acts. We're basically right in the middle of Acts. We started this in the end of January, beginning of February. So we're making a pretty good pace along Acts and we really have no timetable. We're just taking our time studying what the Word of God would say to us today. If you want to stand with us, once you are at Acts chapter 13, we will read the Word of God together. Acts, or the actions of the disciples, chapter 13, and let's just begin in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they had arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulius, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is alive. Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. It guides us. Lord, in a way that we can know you. It's your revealing of your goodness to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would arrest our attention this morning, that you would open our hearts to receive your word with joy, that we would leave changed because of your word and your presence today. We thank you for what you're going to do today. May you anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that these will be your words and not mine. We love you and we thank you, and we're truly nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. 
Acts chapter 13 uh, is an interesting passage. Again, it marks kind of a halfway point because the first 12 chapters are all about uh, Peter, the follower of Jesus, the kind of the number two man there in charge, and all about the church in Jerusalem. That's the first 12 chapters, roughly, of Acts. And then from chapter 13 to 28, when Acts ends, is really focuses on the main character of Paul or Saul. And, and from now on, we'll call him Paul, as Luke does here when he wrote this. And focuses on him and taking the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel as we call it today, into the entire world. And when we say the world, we mean the known Roman world at that time. So we don't mean the entire physical planet, we just mean the known Roman world. The first place that they go, Paul and Barnabas, and Barnabas is kind of the, the guy, his name means son of encouragement. That's a really cool name, the meaning of a name. But Barnabas is kind of the guy that has taken Paul under his wing, so to speak. He was the guy that vouched for Paul a couple of chapters ago, and uh, he's kind of, I don't want to say trained Paul, but they have been really uh, good friends and kind of taken him under his wing and mentored him a little bit, discipled him a little bit. And uh, as we always say, listen, you need to be discipled by someone. Even though I'm a pastor, I sit under other uh, men of God and, and listen to their teaching, and I grow as well. And, and also, I'm trying to disciple other people, and, and we all should do that as we see the example here. But the first place they go is back to Barnabas's hometown, or really home island. And um, Cyprus is the third largest island in the Mediterranean. Third largest island. We have a map of Cyprus there. So the governor of this island, the proconsul, is the highest ranking Roman official. As the governor is there, he has on his staff a Jewish magician. Now, he's not a good Jewish magician. He's a false prophet. He's a liar. He has this Jewish magician called Bar-Jesus, and that, that was just his name. Bar-Jesus is on his staff, and he is a, a spiritual advisor, if you will. Even presidents and governors today have people on their staff that they use for spiritual uh, direction and solace and guidance. So this proconsul does as well. First thing that I think is really interesting is that he is hungry for something real. Verse 7 says that this Bar-Jesus guy, this false prophet, magician, deviled in witchcraft, on his staff... He has a Jewish magician false prophet. But think about this. Being raised Roman, as the scripture says he was, as a Roman, he was raised not to believe in the God of the Bible, not to believe in Yahweh, not to believe in the Old Testament. No, they believed in multiple gods. There was no such thing as one God. They believed in multiple gods. And you know, some Greek mythology and Roman mythology is the same thing. They believed there was a God of the sun and a God of the moon and a God of the sea and a God of, of love and a God of the crops and you name it, they had a God for it, like even many modern religions do today. He was raised this way. His parents taught him this. When he would go to school, this is what was being passed in his education, in the education system of the Roman world. His tutors would teach him this. He was raised and inundated with this, saturated with this at every turn and corner of his life. There are multiple gods, and if something goes wrong, you pray to this particular God, and you make a sacrifice to this God, and hey, hopefully it'll work out. But notice it. Isn't it interesting? Even though he was raised to believe that, multiple gods, it says here that he has a false prophet, Bar-Jesus, on his staff. You know what that tells me? That tells me that even though he was raised to believe in multiple gods, 
he didn't really buy into it. I mean, maybe he did at some point in his life. Maybe as a teenager in his early 20s, you know, he thought, well, maybe there is multiple gods. And maybe he did. But, but at this point in his life, we don't know how old he is. But at this point in his life, those multiple Roman gods, pagan gods, aren't scratching where he's itching. I mean, they're not really meeting a need in his life. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a Jewish magician on his staff. This is remarkable, really, when you really, I mean, it's, it's scandalous, really. I think if it would have got around in the Roman Empire that you've got this governor, this wealthy, powerful guy that, ha that doesn't believe in the Roman gods and has a, a Jewish magician on his staff, it would have been scandalous. It really would have been. But so he says, I, I don't really buy into the multiple God theory. I tried that as a kid, and, and I know it works for my parents, but it doesn't work for me. It leaves me empty. It leaves me hollow. I'm hungry for something else. I'm hungry for something real. There is a gaping hole in my heart and in my life that, that all these pagan gods, it ain't working out for me. So, you know what? Maybe we'll try Judaism. And so he gets this Jewish magician on his staff. And he can do miracles, and, and I wouldn't call them miracles, it's really witchcraft, but he can do magic and all these great things. And, and so he, you know, he goes along with that for a while. And being a Jewish magician, he, he probably doesn't believe in all the Old Testament, or if he does, he's perverted it because he's you know, not quite legitimate, as Scripture tells us in Acts 13. So even then, though, he says, even though I was raised Roman, I was raised to believe in multiple gods, I'm still hungry for something real. There's still something out there that's got to be real, that's got to satisfy the thirst of my heart for something more. He tries Judaism in a, in a weird, twisted version of it, but that doesn't work as well. You say, well, how do you know that? Because it says in verse 7, he's hungry for something real. It says, he summoned, he's a man of intelligence, he's an intellectual type, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Think about this. If the pagan Roman gods had really satisfied him spiritually, he could care less about Barnabas and Saul, right? If the Jewish God or this twisted version of Judaism that Bar-Jesus was teaching, if that satisfied him spiritually, he wouldn't ask for Paul and Barnabas. He would say, well, you know, I have kind of found what I'm looking for and, and it's pagan Roman gods or it's this twisted version of God and, and Judaism. But that's not it. I'm still hungry. Man, I tried this religion, the Roman religion. It left me empty, left me high and dry, left me hungry for more. I've tried this weird version of Judaism, and it's left me hungry. It's left me high and dry. I want something real. I'm hungry for truth. I'm hungry for something that can satisfy where I am longing in the quiet, in the depth of my heart. St. Augustine said this, and it's a great quote. He said that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. That could be said of this pro-council. He's hungry for the truth. You can read a lot of reports. In fact, there was a, a mini documentary this past weekend, um, Friday or Saturday night, on religion in America, talking about declining church attendance and how Americans are, are uh, losing their faith, so to speak. There's an element where that is true. I believe a lot of it is because why do we need God to meet our need when I can buy everything in my life to meet needs? I don't need God to heal me because I can go to a doctor. I don't need God to meet a financial need because I have a nice bank account. I don't need God to help me with a job because I have a great resume. 
I don't need God to help me with my, with my messed up family because I can go to a counselor. Now, don't get me wrong. All those things are fine. I'm not saying that they're, they're evil. But I think sometimes in society, when we begin to focus on all the answers and solutions are right here at our fingertips, they're right in front of us. It's a phone call away. It's a mouse click away. It's a text message away. We rely more and more on those things and less and less on faith in a seemingly invisible God. I think that's one of the things. I could give you a whole dissertation about that, but we won't. With all of this said, you can, you can see that I believe that, that maybe that is on the surface. And I believe one of the reasons why maybe church attendances are declining, declining is because churches have, I think, and I say this with all love, and not to this church particularly, but have failed people. I think churches, many churches have become so inwardly focused, so focused on, look at how great our building is. Look at all the great ministries that we have. Look at all the great things that we can do and, and on and on and on and, and look at all these great things and they forgot to spread the message of Christ to the hurting right there in their backyard. They have nice big buildings, but the people around them are hurting. They're just like this pro-council. They may have all the money in the world. They may live in the most wealthy neighborhood in your community, drive nice fancy cars. That's what this guy did. They may have PhDs. That's what this guy had. This pro council, man of intelligence. They may be great, powerful people, men and women. That doesn't mean they're desperate. That doesn't mean that they're not hungry. And I believe, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's true when you look at a lot of interesting factors, I think one of the things is Americans have, have uh, churches have let them down because they've become so inwardly focused that they've, forgot to meet the spiritual need of people which is Christ and Christ alone they're preaching feel-good messages they're preaching messages that are uh, that are you know very comfortable and very easy and and uh, make you feel good but they're not messages that are Christ and crucified and risen that's my opinion I think as well people are hungry for something real when you consider and just think about this for a few moments, all of the faith-based uh, movies and TV shows that have come on just within the last couple of years, you've had at least two, maybe three blockbuster movies with major uh, actors, major movie stars on the big screen of the last couple of years. One was you know, about Moses and Exodus, and one was about Noah, although it was really messed up and weird. Don't watch that. But uh, one last year was was uh, this past year was called A.D., the Bible continues, and we talked about that. It was about exactly what we're reading, Acts. This was on Sunday night, prime time television on a major network. By the way, I checked on the ratings. It had more ratings than any other show in that time slot on a Sunday night. People can say that, that church attendances are declining, and yeah, that might be true for churches that aren't seeking Christ and sharing the message of Christ. That's probably true. And I don't blame people for not going to those churches. But, but it shows me that there is a hunger in our culture and in our society. Look at what happened this past weekend when, when a, a person comes and, and, I mean, people go crazy over this guy. And, and, you know, that's okay. But what does that tell you? People are hungry. They may have money. They may have mon more money than you and I will ever have. Don't let that fool you that they're satisfied with their money. They may have all kind of power and fame and prestige just like this man did. Don't let that fool you. He tried two different types 
of religion. Two different types of spirituality, but he's still spiritually hungry. Jesus told a woman at a well who he, he, by all accounts, shouldn't have been talking to. It was very scandalous. He's talking to this woman, and he says this. This is in the Gospel of John. He says, if you thirst of me, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Which simply means, I am satisfactory. I am more than satisfactory. He also says later, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will be satisfied and full. People are searching. And here's the reality. And you need to understand this. You are surrounded by people just like this Sergius Peleus guy. You're surrounded by them. Either in your family. When you walk out these doors, you're going to go interact with them. They're just like this man. You may go to work tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. You may go to school, wherever it is that, that you go during the day. Maybe, you know, part of civic clubs, civic organizations. You are surrounded, just like Paul and Barnabas, with people who are searching, people who are hungry, people who are not satisfied. As again, go back to that quote by St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. I've said this before, it's been many years ago, but I firmly believe that in a default setting, in literally every human being that's ever walked the face of this earth, every human being, there's a default setting when they're born. And it is a whole that only God is meant to fulfill. And people try to throw that hole and it, what it ends up being is like a sucking vacuum, like a black hole. They throw money in it and it sucks and it gets a little bit bigger. And they throw relationships in it and it sucks that in and it gets a little bit bigger. And before you know it, their whole life feels like they're sinking in this black hole when all the while Christ is the one that is meant to plug that hole. And not just plug it, but fulfill it and give life meaning and purpose. You have to understand, you can read news reports after news reports. I read them even this morning. Church attendance is declining. And that is true to an extent because churches have forgot to preach Christ and the truth of Scripture. But don't misunderstand. Don't buy into the myth that people in America aren't spiritually hungry because they are. They are spiritually hungry. You have the answer. I have the answer. The message of Christ is the answer hungry for something real. The second thing that I think is interesting that you have to deal with and, and sometimes you encounter is distractions from the truth. So we have this pro-council, this wealthy, powerful man who has tried other religions and he's still hungry. He's still not satisfied. And he wants to hear more about this message of this Messiah Jesus guy. So he summons Paul and Barnabas. But as they are speaking, verse 8 says this, that the magician opposed them, meaning Saul and Barnabas, from preaching the message of Christ, seeking, look this, to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, let me say this. When you are sharing your faith with someone who doesn't know Christ, or maybe they're just like this guy, they're what you might call a seeker, they're, they're, they're hungry to know more, they're spiritually hungry for something real in their life, and you're trying to share the message of Jesus, and you're trying to share your faith, don't misunderstand it. Many, many, many times, if not all the time, as, as you are sharing the life-changing message of Jesus, the life-giving words of Christ in Scripture, as you are sharing that with them, Oftentimes, there's either another individual or a situation that as much as you're sharing, they're trying to nag them away. They're trying to suck them away. They're trying to pull them away and distract them. 
I really believe that's, that's really even a spiritual principle. That what you see here in Acts 13, these first 12 verses, is, I believe, a, a, a physical manifestation, if you will, of a spiritual battle that takes place every time we share our faith with people. Sometimes we forget that. We think that I've been trying to witness to this coworker. I've been trying to tell them the goodness and the message of Jesus Christ and, and what God's done in my life. And, and the more I do, man, it seems like the more they fight and the more they resist and the more that they're being pulled in the wrong direction or the more they get mad at me. And, and as Paul later says, the guy we're talking about here, later he'll write a letter to a church and he says, understand that our battles are not against each other flesh and blood, but they're against principalities of darkness, meaning there's, there's angelic and demonic forces. They say, that's crazy, that's sci-fi. You might think that, but it's true. It's in Scripture, and I believe that that's what we see fulfilling and taking place here in Acts 13. When you're sharing your faith with someone, oftentimes the enemy, the devil, is trying to pull them away. You know the cartoons that you see all the time? You don't see them very much anymore, but the cartoons or on TV shows where where someone is standing there and they have a moral dilemma. They have a choice they have to make. And oftentimes there'll be a little angel that'll pop up on their shoulder over here and they'll tell them all the reasons why they should make the right choice and the right decision. And as that angel is telling them to make the right choices, a little demon guy will pop up and he'll say, no, 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 don't do that. I'll do what you want to do. What makes you happy? Oh no, don't listen to that guy. That's, that's hogwash. That's, that's, that's baloney. Don't believe in that. And, and they're struggling. And you can see they're hearing two voices and it's conflicting in their mind. It's conflicting in their heart. That's why we're talking today about the challenge of changing the heart. Because every time that a person's heart is on the line for to receive Christ or not, there is a spiritual battle taking place. That's what's going on right here with this pro-council. Physically, it's, it's, it's somewhat of an argument between Paul and Barnabas and this Jewish magician. And it's going on. And, and I want you to play this out in your mind because it's, it's real. This is exactly what happened. As, as Paul and Barnabas are with this guy over a cup of, of tea or coffee and as they're sharing the message of Christ, they're probably in this pro-council's palace looking out over the beautiful Mediterranean Ocean. And they're sharing about all the good things about Jesus. And they're sharing the Old Testament, how all the Old Testament points to Jesus and that it's only in Jesus that our sins can be forgiven. And as they're sharing that, the pro-council is thinking, Man, that's what I've been looking for. I've tried other religions. I'm still hungry. That can satisfy me. And he's beginning to lean that direction. But as he leans that direction, the Jewish magician over here says, no, don't believe those guys. Listen, I'm a Jewish scholar. I'm a magician. These guys are just guys that just got off the boat last week. Don't believe them. We don't even know their background. I mean, they're not qualified. Come on, I know the Old Testament. And it has nothing to do with this Jesus guy. And, and here, let me do a magic trick. Pick a card. I mean, whatever he does. And he tries to distract the pro-council from hearing the message of Christ. The message of Christ is simple and it's pure. And I love what Paul does. He almost says, excuse me, governor, you be quiet. You son of the devil. I mean, imagine calling someone that when you're trying to witness to somebody else. I mean, tell me what kind of results that would get you. But he says, you son of the devil, would you stop making crooked the straight, clean path of Christ? Because the path of Christ is straight. It is clean. 
And oftentimes, the devil, either through other people or situations in other people's lives, will try as you're trying to witness to that person and share your faith with that family member or that coworker, and you're trying it. It's been years and years or months and weeks, and you're trying, but every time it seems like you try, that something else in their life bends them in the wrong direction. Maybe you feel like we're getting two steps forward, we're getting close, and now they take three steps back. And it's a battle. And you get frustrated, and you're about to quit. You're about to give up on that person. I encourage you today, don't give up on that person because Christ has not given up on that person. Don't quit sharing the message of Christ. Instead, realize that their heart is on the line and there's a challenge of changing that heart. And that as you are trying to share the message of Christ, the straight message of Jesus, there is someone else or something else in their life that is seeking to twist and pervert this message of Jesus, seeking to make crooked the straight path of the Lord. That's what you're dealing with. That's what you're facing. It's not just that individual, but it's things that are, that are unseen, that are taking place. You say, well, man, that's, that's a little scary. How do I handle that? Well, thankfully, Acts 13 gives us the answer, verses 9 through 12. But Saul, who's also called Paul, Look at the, here's the number one caveat you have to have. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Look at verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And by the way, in verse 12, I just want to clarify very quickly, in, in the way that English and Greek are translated, sometimes the word get in different orders. Really, it, it should read in Greek that after hearing the teaching of the word of the Lord, he believed then he was astonished at what took place. So we don't want you to think that he became a Christian because Paul kind of performed a magic trick, so to speak, and this guy's blind now, and oh, wow, I don't want to be blind, so I'll give my life to Christ. That's not really what took place. He heard the message. Even though someone was trying to pervert it, even someone was trying to poison the well, he hears the message. He believes. He receives the message of Christ. Then this guy is blind, and the man is astonished. Again, confronting the opposition, hungry for something real, distraction from the truth, confronting the opposition. And here's the number one thing. When you have someone in your life that you're trying to share the message of Jesus and you're trying to tell what God has done in your life and you know they're going in a, in a horrific situation, they are in the valley of the shadow of death and you're trying to steer them to Christ in a straight path, but there's distractions and things thrown in their way, obstacles in their way. It's like after a storm, you know, when there's a, a ma massive uh, snowstorm or thunderstorm and a straight road may have multiple trees blown down over the road and they have to call the electric company or, or the company and, and move those logs. And then you go a little bit further, there's another road, log in the road. They have to move that one. That's what's taking place in people's lives. And as you're sharing this and someone is, or something is distracting from them, from the truth, you confront the opposition. Well, how do I do that? How can, you know, Brian, man, you're hitting the nail on the head in my life, in my situation right now. How can I handle this? Handle it like Paul, first and foremost. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, and I say this lovingly, and I say it as a pastor, just hit pause on that situation if you would. Become filled with the Holy Spirit first and foremost. Then you will have the power, and it won't be you, but it'll be the Holy Spirit working in and through your life to confront this situation. Don't try to do it on your own. It won't work out. And we're going to look at that later on in Acts. A situation exactly like that happened. But it is only, only, only when you are filled with the Holy Spirit that you can do what Paul did and confront the opposition. Now, am I saying that you need to call curses down on the, on the other person and make them blind? No, we're not saying that. Hey, at times, though, I think that's warranted. I really do. I've had situations in my life where almost this exact scenario has played out. I'm sharing the message of Christ. Other people are trying to distort the truth and pervert the truth and twist everything around. And there's a time where you have to stand up and say, listen, because you say, well, I don't want to be rude. We're politically correct. And I don't want people to sue me. Listen, their heart is on the line. Heaven or hell is on the line. Their eternal destiny is on the line. And there's a challenge of changing their heart. And as much as you are working to change their life, the enemy is working to pervert and distract from hearing the message of Christ. And there are times when we have every right and we should as Christian believers to say, even if it's to a physical individual or a person, but more importantly, even spiritually, to say, listen, enough is enough. Devil, you're not going to distract this person anymore. You're not going to pervert this, the clean message of Christ. You're not going to stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord. I think we have every right and we should at, at certain times to do that. Confronting the opposition. But you can only do that, well, successfully anyway, you can only do that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, fall flat on your face. And again, we'll see that later on in Acts coming up. You say, I, I don't know that I have the courage to do that. I don't know that I have the strength to do that. Paul and Barnabas said, yeah, but Brian, that's, that's Paul. I mean, come on. The guy was educated. The guy had, had all this, you know, PhDs in theology and Old Testament theology. I mean, I, you know, I don't have that. No, no, no. Put all that aside. You know what Paul had? the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you stand back and watch what He can do in and through your life. That's really the key to this entire passage. Paul, because it said, and I know we didn't read it today because of time, but go back and read verses 1 through 4 of chapter 13. Because it says that they were there and they were fasting and they were praying and they laid hands on them and they blessed them and they were full of the Holy Spirit. And notice it says that at the beginning in verse 4, Paul and Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit. Now it repeats itself. And again, we've talked about this before. Anytime the Bible repeats itself, your antenna should go up, your ears should perk up. Wait a minute. What do I see? What's the pattern here? What's the thing that I see over and over in these first few verses of chapter 13? Paul and Barnabas were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of the Holy Spirit when their foot set on that island. They were full of the Holy Spirit as they went from the west part of the island to the east part of the island. They were full of the Holy Spirit when they were sharing the message of Christ to this individual, this proconsul, And they were full of the Holy Spirit when they rebuked this, I believe, demonically possessed magician. That's the answer. Understand, I just say this in love and if worship team can come back. When you're at work tomorrow and that person who you've been sharing the faith with, and it's a struggle, and you're sharing the faith, maybe it's around lunchtime and this subject comes up and you're trying to tell them about Jesus, about a family member. And right before you can tell the conversation is heading in that direction and then you kind of mentally you're praying, Holy Spirit, help me, give me the words to say. 
because of his grace, he hears us and he's there and he does help. But can I tell you, we should really take a, a good lesson at Paul and Barnabas here. Before you even get to work in the morning, before you open that car door and set your foot on the property of the place where you were employed, before you open your car door this afternoon and set foot where your family members live that you're struggling with, before you even get out of the bed in the morning, first thing you do, Holy Spirit, let me be filled with your presence today. Let me be filled with the power and the anointing and the wisdom and the guidance that only you can give. In other words, let me be full of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of my day today. And as you go throughout the day, because that's what we see with these guys, before they even got to the island, they're full of the Holy Spirit. When they set foot on the island, they're full of the Holy Spirit. When they're sharing the message of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit. And when they rebuke the enemy, full of the Holy Spirit. That's the recipe for success. As you go throughout the day, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom today. Put people in my path that are hungry for you. And give me the wisdom and the words to say, the authority and the power to say that they're not my words or my wisdom, but you working in and through my life. And when you pray that, I promise you, he's going to answer that prayer. Don't think that you're going to sit around and wait. And, well, I don't know. Is this right? No, you'll know. He'll answer that prayer. And you know what the result is? Verse 12. Then the proconsul believed for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord and he saw what had occurred. People will be astonished. Not of your Bible knowledge. You're not there to impress people of your Bible knowledge. I'm not here to impress you of my Bible knowledge. You're there to share Christ and you're there to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want people to be astonished? That's, man, wouldn't it be an amazing prayer? God, today, let me be full of the Holy Spirit and that people that I encounter and interact with, let them be astonished, not at me, but at you working in and through my life. I challenge you, you pray that prayer every day this week. See what happens. Pray that prayer every day this week. Holy Spirit, let me be full of your presence today as I go throughout the day. And as I encounter people who are spiritually seeking and searching for you, they would be astonished, not at me, but at the truth of your word. You don't have to memorize tons of scripture. That's, that's good and that's important. You just need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You are surrounded by people, just like this pro-council, that are hungry for something real. But often, if not all the time, the enemy or other people or situations in their life are trying to distract them from receiving Christ. It's a battle worth fighting. It's heaven and hell. It's their eternal destiny. It's the challenge of changing the heart. And you have to know how to confront the opposition. And you can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you watch that person will give their life to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you are alive and working in the church today. And we believe and pray that this will be a church that every person in this room, every person that, that, that says they belong to Grace Community, that every one of them would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not so that we can go around and impress people, but so that we can go around and people will be astonished at the message of Christ and receive you. 
Father, that when we are trying to share what you've done in our life, we're trying to share the pure, simple, straight message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified on a cross, and it's only through his blood that we can have forgiveness of sins, but that he resurrected on the third day and is alive and is returning soon for those that call in the name of Jesus. When we share that simple, straightforward message, let us realize that there are people that are hungry that are searching for that. They've tried other religions, they've tried money, they've tried power, they've tried fame, they've tried relationships, careers, and it's all left them hungry for more. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Father, let us realize that as we're sharing the faith, there's those, especially the enemy, trying to distort that and pull them away, as we see here in Acts 13. But let us be full of the Holy Spirit to rebuke those that would be blocking that person's path from receiving you. Father, we love you and we thank you and we're nothing without you. With every head bowed, we don't want to end any of our services without giving anyone an opportunity to respond to the message and to respond really to the Holy Spirit working in your life. And if you've never made this decision, maybe you're like this pro-counsel that we're talking about. Maybe you're like this guy and you've tried all kinds of things, but you're still hungry and you're here today. And you say, you know, the one thing that I haven't tried is giving my life to Jesus. Man, I tell you, today is a perfect day to do that. The last Saturday of October, last Sunday of October, of September, I encourage you, don't walk out those doors without making that decision. And if you would want, right now, feel free, come, and I'd love to pray with you. You can come and kneel along the front, stand however you would like. You can bring somebody with you. But I beg of you, I beg of you, not as a pastor, but as one whose life has been changed by Christ, do not walk out those doors without making that first step to follow him. You know, maybe as, as those would make their way right now, maybe you're sitting there and, and you say, you know, uh, Brian, I'm close. I, I would like to know more. Like that pro council, I want to hear more about what the message of Jesus is all about. I encourage you, get that connection card underneath the seat in front of you and write that. Come talk to me right after service. That's what I'm here for. But I beg you, don't leave without making that decision. As we pray right now, if you'd want to do that. Father, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you that salvation is through Christ alone. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to do good works. But it is a gift that you give to any and every person that would give their life to you. Only you can forgive our sins. Only you can give our life purpose and joy and meaning. Father, today, those that will make that decision, let them leave changed. We love you and we thank you. Father, I pray for every person that is here. Let us be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as we continue to share what you've done in our life to those around us, like Paul and Barnabas and this pro-council. Thank you. Father, I thank you for every person that is here. May you bless them. May you bless all that they put their hands to. May you bless their coming in and their going out. May your face shine brightly upon them. May you bless them in their homes and in their families that the presence of the Holy Spirit would dwell as a sweet anointing and fragrance in their home. There be peace and joy in their home because of you. Father, may you bless them, Lord, as a family to have greater hunger for you and love for one another. May you bless them at their jobs and in schools and in the marketplace and places of the public square to boldly and uncompromisingly stand up and stand out for you being full of the power of the Holy Spirit, actively sharing the message of Christ and what you've done in their life. 
Father, I pray that you bless us as a church, as a body of believers, as a family. May you bless us, Father, to be a biblically healthy, fruit-bearing church that changes lives in our communities through the power of your presence, through a greater hunger for your word and passion to reach and serve the lost around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give this day to you. We give our lives to you. May this message, Holy Spirit, be lodged firmly in our heart that it would produce fruit that is honoring to you. We love you and we thank you and we're nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for coming out today. Hope you enjoyed the service. Have a very blessed Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.